Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. This is the podcast where we have smart conversations about all that and then some, where I try and share what I've learned about prenatal care, labor and delivery, new parenting, motherhood, and about the politics that help and hinder our jobs as parents of the next generation. It's a big topic, and we have a lot to cover, right? Well, this week, at the beginning of June, school's out, summer's here, it's my favorite time of year, and I live for being outdoors. Now, I want to apologize in advance that we're going to have some dogs on the podcast today. I am, uh, it's the beginning of travel season, so I'm doing some puppy sitting, and they're noisy little critters, and they do not respect my recording hours. So, sorry about that. Hope you're dog lovers. Anyways, let's see. Summer's when everybody goes on vacation. Official travel season has begun. They're traveling for graduations, which we had one here this weekend, thus all the dogs. Um, They're going places for June weddings and reunions and vacations and obligation vacations, or as I call them, obligations, and for so many other travel reasons. And when you're the mom in the family, the planning and packing and lugging everything around is a huge, time-consuming, horrendous chore. It's hard mental work that requires packing the most amount of stuff in the smallest amount of spaces while having small babies and children strapped to your body and around your feet. If you have a big family, God help you, mama, it's as big a job as they come. That's what we're going to talk about this week, travel with babies, why it's important for women to travel, both alone and with their babies and families, and about how to make the whole thing a whole lot easier. Uh, But first, let's take a quick break. And we're back. So last week's episode was a hot one. It was a rebroadcast of an oldie about labor pain and epidurals, and it really seemed to resonate. Not coincidentally, maybe, my book sales saw a very nice elevation too. Labor pain and epidurals. Women are curious about this and concerned about it. And I'm glad that you downloaded and listened and are picking up copies of the book to find out what you need to know. Now, thanks to all of you who are picking up copies of Common Sense Pregnancy on Amazon and at your bookstore and over on my website. And if you don't already have a copy, Common Sense Pregnancy is based on my decades of experience as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mother of many. And it's where I help you navigate the U.S. prenatal care system so mom and baby stay healthy and have a positive experience. It's about the mama, folks. That's the secret. Get the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and you'll find out what I mean. Now, I want to plug just a little bit of current events and politics into this week's episode. If you've been watching the news about babies and children being separated from their asylum-seeking mothers when they reach American borders, and then these children are being housed kennel-style in warehouses, then you're feeling as sick as I am. We can't look away from this, parents. No matter what side of the aisle you vote on, no matter what you think of our current immigration policies, policies, I want you to think about this wearing your parent hat. These are children. Some of them are the very same ages as your children, or your sister's kids, or your brother's children, or your neighbors, or the kids in your school, and they're being incarcerated and abused and treated like animals. And this is happening because the Trump administration and Attorney General Jeff Sessions want to use family separation as a deterrent to keep asylum seekers out. 
It's illegal. It's immoral. And the United Nations is speaking out against the United States on this policy. So let that sink in. The United States is violating United Nations policy for humanitarian treatment of human beings. This terrifying action is turning America into thugs and muggers who torture children in front of their parents. I was really proud of my senator, Senator Jeff Merkley, for visiting one of these detention centers and filming the experience. He was refused entry and access to these detained children, some as young as toddlers. He had the police called on him, and he is a United States senator whose job is to represent the people of this country, including asylum seekers and immigrants, and to make sure our laws protect them. He was held back. He wasn't allowed in. When he was eventually given extremely limited access, he reports seeing kids in cages with space blankets and no beds. That's worse than what we see at the Humane Society, folks. That's what we've seen during the worst times in history. Families torn apart, children abused and neglected, and parents and children traumatized and anguished for life. Family separation is cruel. Go check out videos of Senator Jeff Merkley's experience and then call your own senator and Congress people and say this, I am one of your constituents and a voter, and I want you to stand with me and say, we don't cage babies and children in America. I want you to enforce American laws and stop forced family separation today. Believe me, folks, this kind of advocacy is very effective. Every call is counted, even if you get an answering machine. And this is election season. So call your Congress people, your senators, tell them to represent you, or you'll vote them out. This is important. Also, there's an organization called Together Rising that's founded by author and activist Glennon Doyle, and they are doing a really great job of explaining what's actually happening to immigrant and asylum-seeking asylum children at the border. And I want you to go to togetherrising.org and do your homework. It's complicated and fascinating and horrifying, but they offer a simple direct action which you can take to really make a difference here. They're doing direct fundraising to cover legal services for 60 families and children who have been separated. They launched their emergency love flash mob for the children one day last week and raised more than $1 million in nine hours to help these mothers and children. I love that. So that's two things you can do to help these families today. Call your members of Congress, tell them what you think of that border situation, and then send a donation, no matter how small, to get these mamas some lawyers. Okay, folks, let's get to this week's guest. Morgan Robart co-founded flybabyapp.com with her sister-in-law, Kate Robart, after years working in emergent engineering and technology. Morgan envisioned a female-focused marketplace that enabled moms to travel easily and provide income opportunities to women through a partnership program. It was Kate's first baby that inspired Fly Baby App. During his first trip to California to visit his grandparents, the struggle to pack and prepare became very real. Everything had to be checked with the luggage and crammed into a rental car, all while carrying the baby. Morgan and Kate realized there was a Big opportunity to solve this problem for moms everywhere. So let's get Morgan on the line. 
Hi, Morgan. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's uh, I'm here in Portland, Oregon, and June is about the best month of the year here. Where are you? Gorgeous. I'm in Calgary. It's great here too now. Yeah. Springtime is over and it's breaking into summertime. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Well, Morgan, I read a little bit of your bio and Kate's bio right before we picked you up here today. But my Mm -hmm. first question is this, who are you and what do you do? So Kate is actually my sister-in-law and my co-founder of Fly Baby. And we are trying to make travel accessible for our new moms with babies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, it sprang from Kate had her baby about a year ago, the first one. Um, and we were traveling to see our in-laws and she said, you know, Morgan, there's got to be an easier way to do this. Look at all this stuff I have to pack. Look at <laughs> yeah. She, it was a newborn. She was traveling with a newborn. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It gets worse as they get older too. The whole travel thing. <laughs> yeah. More stuff. You always need more stuff. Oh my God. I have a survival story that I'll tell later on in this episode that I just challenge any traveler to beat this for packing. It, it was intense, but I'm going to save it because I want to know more about who you are and how Flybaby app came to be. And I know everybody always starts with the professional part of who they are, but you know, what else when you're not, when you're not a working girl, what are you, what are you up to? What are you doing? You know, Kate and I are also next door neighbors down in Houston. And, and we're <laughs> and am I right? Married to identical brothers? Yes, we're married to identical twin brothers uh, who are also business partners. <laughs> so uh, I feel like I have three spouses, not just one sometimes. I bet you guys are what we call a tight knit family. We are. It's super fun. <laughs> I bet. And you guys are all about the same age? We are. Mm-hmm. And they're the first ones who had a baby. They are, yes. And so Kate, um, funnily enough, her house is on my street on the way to my office. I was working at a software company at the time doing sort of sales and marketing things. And I would stop on my way home every day and visit the baby, which is really nice. And are you guys travel buddies? We are. uh, The four of us and Kate and I alone sometimes. Uh, We actually took a trip to Copenhagen when she was very, very pregnant, (laughs) which was fun. Brave move. But yeah. you know what? Easier easier in many ways to do that when you're pregnant than when you've got a newborn, right? Uh, I think that's debatable. <laughs> I, I suppose it is. I suppose it is. Sitting on a six-hour flight when you're eight months pregnant is not the most comfortable adventure. No, I've done it. It's You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. But you know, when you're talking about all the stuff and the car seats and, you know, for some women, a breast pump and the Mm -hmm. crib and, you know, it's just, ah, I think that, you know, during that first year, every single day is kind of an adventure and, and a nightmare. And it's hard to know, how do you recreate that when you go to your mother-in-law's or you go on vacation or you have to do some business travel? You you kind of you're tempted to take everything in the entire universe with you so that you can recreate what works at home, mm-hmm, but exactly that's impossible. It's impossible. So exactly, we end actually, up, Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, we did a little poll amongst sort of friends and families, and over forty percent of people, which was the majority, said packing was the most stressful part of traveling with a baby. Just packing all that stuff. Um, and so we just wanted to fix it, and that's how Fly Baby was born. I think packing is, but I think schlepping it, carrying it all is, <laughs> yeah. especially if women are flying 
you know, just them and their baby or them and their toddlers, which Mm -hmm. a lot of of us do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So you were working for a tech firm and is Mm -hmm. Fly Baby app now your whole thing? It is my whole thing. It's just super exciting and terrifying, but we're really excited more. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. How did this come to be? What's the story of Fly Baby app? We were going to visit our in-laws. And so the four of us were going with the baby and my sister-in-law kept saying to me, I don't know how I'm going to do this. There's so much stuff to bring. Can you guys take some with you? <laughs> you know, and typically we're the, the carry on only type. And so it's like a big deal for us to yeah. resign to checking a bag and checking a stroller and checking a pack and play. And at the time she was breastfeeding. So she brought a cooler with her and there's just so many things to think about. And she kept yeah. saying, you know, Morgan, there's got to be a better way to do this. And, you know, I kind of, tried to empathize, but not having a baby myself yet. So it was like, yeah, 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 it sounds terrible. I'll bring some stuff. And I didn't think much more about it. Mm-hmm. And then we went again on another family vacation um, to the other side of the country. And she really hammered it home. She was like, Morgan, no, this is a real problem and we need to fix it. And I had the technical background. She had sort of the consumer pain point. She's got consumer experience as well. And we said, yeah, this is actually a real thing and, and we can fix it. So how did you fix it? We wanted to make an app where you could borrow baby gear at your destination without packing it in a car or checking it bag side for the airline. We wanted to be able to lend out a crib or lend out um, a stroller or even a breast pump or a car seat uh, to women. Is it mom to mom? It is mom to mom. Yeah. And we didn't uh, start that way. Our initial thinking was like, let's just solve this problem and we'll buy all this gear. We'll put it in all these cities. But it made a lot more sense actually to mimic people's natural behavior, which is you always call your friend and you're like, hey, I'm coming over. Do you have something from your kids I can borrow? That's a very normal thing people do. So we said, let's just run with that. It makes more sense. It's moms helping moms, which we really love. And it's re- reusing, you know, products that are, have a, you know, relatively short lifespan anyways. You're going to use your car seat for two years, mm-hmm. you know, so why not let somebody else get some use out of that and reduce the, you know, the amount of consumerism and products were thrown out there. Yeah, it's much more green option. And like shockingly, that. before this solution, we've had stories from people who would actually just buy stuff when they got there. Yeah. You know, they said, I'll, I just run to Target and I would buy something and then I'd abandon it in the hotel room because it was the easiest solution. Right. And that's, you know, not ideal either. So <laughs> it's expensive and wasteful and most of us can't do that. Exactly. <laughs> so we borrow, we borrow from our mom friends. Yeah. So we borrow. So how great would it be if you had a mom friend in every city you went to visit? Mm-hmm. And that's the vision. So you go on the app and you put in your destination and mm-hmm. then what? then what? So it's a lot like booking an Airbnb. You know, you type in your city, you see what's available, you um, add items to your trip, and then you put in the dates that you're traveling and you reserve instantly from your phone. And is it affordable? Is this a good option for all kinds of women? I really think so. We've got a pretty good range and you can get items for as low as $4 a night for something small. The more expensive Uh thing you want like a full size crib and maybe that's in the range of 15 to $20 a night. And so it's, you can get as much or as little as you need. Yeah. Still, that seems really reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like when I've gone to hotels, if I've 
you know, asked for a crib in the room. It's something like that. It's more than that, probably like 25 or something to get a crib in there. Yeah. It's wild to me that they charge you anyway. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. Not all do. Some of them have, you know, a pack and play that they'll drag in there, but you don't really know much about the quality and, you know, if all the hinges are tight and they're not going to pinch little fingers, Mm -hmm. you know, you worry about that stuff. So how, how do you guys guarantee quality? So we've actually partnered recently with an organization, um, Gabrico, which sort of sets a standard for us and for our partners to make sure your gear is new, it's well-maintained, it's cleaned. They keep us um, privy to any recalls that have occurred, and they've been a super great partner. The Global Association of Baby Equipment Rental Companies, which is a thing. (laughs) All right. Well, that's really smart. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about, but let's make sure that everybody who is listening so far knows exactly where to go to check you guys out. What's your, where should they go? Yes, it's flybabyapp.com. Two apps like an app store. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. I think it's really marvelous. So how important is travel in your life? Huge. Um, I've been to over 30 countries. I used to travel a lot for work. I travel a lot personally and sometimes solo travel and sometimes with friends and sometimes with my husband. So it's a huge part of my life. Do you travel, you know, primarily in developed countries? Do you go to undeveloped countries? Where do you like to go? You know, I started going to cities, maybe just easy European cities, U.S. cities, Um, because I felt more comfortable there. And it's only recently I've been brave enough to venture sort of outside the city into more Mm of the countryside and exploring beyond the typical tourist destinations. I just recently Mm -hmm. got back from a trip to China, which was amazing. And my goal in going there was I really think it's fairly well isolated from Western culture. And I really wanted to experience that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's always crazy when you you travel thousands and thousands of miles to Brazil and you're drinking a Coca-Cola and listening to Justin Bieber on the radio. <laughs> right, right. I yeah, transplant America. <laughs> so yeah. it's fun now for me to kind of explore those areas where you have a different experience. Although, you know, I've been in some fairly remote places where you've heard Justin Bieber and <laughs> and there's been a Coke and you realize how universal those things are. Mm-hmm, you're like, I was in a... Um, an orphanage in Haiti on a work trip. And the girls there were adolescent girls. And we had brought some things for them to do and to play and to talk with them. But all they wanted to do was go through our phones, look at our our music and play <laughs> whoever they could get. And the the most requested at that time was Justin Bieber. It was, you know, it was it. like adolescent girls anywhere in the world. It's true. And what's yep. amazing to me is um, how people use American music to teach themselves English. You find sure. that in so many places. I think that's fascinating. Sure. sure. And I love to hear the way that the language comes out after they've learned through television or, um, you know, or music. It's great. I love it. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts of travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's really, really important for women to travel um, and whenever possible to travel alone. And that's because, first of all, I think that growth happens outside your comfort zone. 
And when you go someplace by yourself, you have to navigate on your own. You have to Mm -hmm. figure out your preferences. You have to decide your itinerary. You have to navigate. You have to do, you have to, you know, show up for yourself in really different ways than you do if you're traveling with your partner or your husband or your friend. It's just a different kind of thing. And I think it's really great for women to have that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's just my, that's just my perspective. What's yours about why women should travel and travel alone? I feel like it's incredibly liberating. I think women do have the tendency to always nurture and to think about others, which is a great quality. But when you travel somewhere by yourself and you wake up that first morning and you can really sincerely ask yourself, what do I want to do today? It's a different experience. You know, you aren't obligated to go to a certain you know, coffee shop or drive a breakfast place because your friends want to go or because your husband likes it or you don't even have to go see the tourist sites. I think we feel really obligated to see tourist sites and you actually don't have to go at all. <laughs> you don't. You can just put on your sneakers and walk outside your your Airbnb or your hotel and see what you find. Exactly. On my first trip um, yeah. by myself, I went all the way from Texas to Brazil. And what I learned was the thing that I enjoy doing most is just sitting having a a cup of coffee and reading a book on my phone. Yeah. And I would never do that if I was with someone, you know, that would feel rude or something. And so that was an interesting thing that I learned about myself. And I tried then to integrate that sort of into my normal life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The things you find out when you're traveling. Mm -hmm. It's great. So along those lines, then, what role do you think feminism plays in travel? It's a good question. I I do think it can feel very empowering. And for me, that's what a lot of feminism is about, is helping women to feel empowered. And Mm -hmm. the feeling when you get on a plane, you're going somewhere by yourself and you take that metro and you figure it out. And it just feels so good. Like, I can do this by myself. No one but me figured this out and made this happen. Here I am. It's such a wonderful feeling. Yeah, it is. It feels like an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little bit frightening because you don't necessarily have that other person to say, oh, no, we we were supposed to go left three blocks Mm -hmm. ago, you know, and so you get lost or you may find that you've gone someplace that, oh, I don't actually want to go here and now I got to figure it out. But all of that stuff is part of the part of the fun of travel. Exactly. And being uh, more comfortable getting lost, I think. When you're, there's no one with you, you feel less obligated to be right or to be on top of it. You're kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm lost, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that when you're traveling with a family, you know, I, I did, I have been talking lately about, you know, the part of parenthood that I call technically the part of motherhood most of the time that I call project management. Um, or, you know, that other writers and podcasters recently have been talking, you know, the emotional labor that mothers do. Oh, yeah. And inevitably, when, when a family is packing for a trip, or even a couple is packing for a trip, it usually comes down to the mother to plan, to prepare, to pack, to make sure that everybody's got their toothbrush and their special, you know, toy, and they've got <laughs> all the things. And it just gets exponentially harder the more kids you have. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a mom, it's a mom job. It doesn't have to be though, but it turns out that way most of the time. And I wonder 
in your business with Flybaby app, how often are you coming across men who are taking the reins on this? Not terribly often, um, frankly. And we had this sort of debate. We were building out our first marketing uh, schemes and we said, you know, is it okay if we just say, you know, hey, moms, hey, are we being exclusive? Like, should we just say, hey, new parents or should we focus on dads a little more? And we kind of learned that, unfortunately, that's not the market. (laughs) It isn't yet. It isn't yet. But I think that there, I think that I read somewhere that um, on your website or maybe when we emailed Mm -hmm. about how Kate Kate is particularly interested in marketing to millennial parents, which is the generation of parents who are having children now. And more and more, we're seeing millennial dads step up and just do the job, not help do the job or not, you know, not help do the job, but do the job. Yeah. Not, you know, babysit your own kids, but just. (laughs) Right. Or not go to mom and say, what do you need me to do? But they're stepping in and saying, okay, I'm going to organize all of the car seats. I'm going to make sure that all of the kids have, you know, five pairs of underwear each. You know, they they just look at what needs to be done and they step in and do it, which is what we do as moms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But most guys take a, a back seat to that. It's frustrating, and it's something that I'm hoping that guys will step up on. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I always do yeah. when I notice um, a man come up on our our lists, our marketing list. I do kind of send an email, and I'm like, "It's so cool that you're on. Thank you." <laughs> yeah, tell your buddies. Yeah, tell your buddies. Yeah, you too can plan the family vacation. It doesn't have to be mom's job. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I have two travel stories that. Um, were nightmares, but also major accomplishments. And the first one was when I just had one baby, my husband and I went to Hawaii, but this was in the eighties. And, um, you know, there, I didn't go with a whole lot of stuff, but my daughter was allergic to disposable diapers. And so we, yeah, so we had to take cloth diapers. And when we got there, um, all was well. We had plenty of cloth diapers and supplies to get through the week or whatever it was that we were there. But the washing machine at the house we had rented, the vacation rental didn't work. Ooh. So we had to bring them all back oh. from Hawaii to California in a duffel bag. Oh, and we man. got to a checkpoint where they wanted to go through luggage. And we just said, dude, go for it. <laughs> we Let me tell you <laughs> Let me tell you what's in that that bag you're about to unzip. It's all up to you. Oh, if you can. That's amazing. Yeah. He looked at us, a couple of very young, haggard parents on our way back from a long trip and just let it go. But then <laughs> many years later, it was the biggest packing feat of my life. And it was when I flew to California and I went camping, a family reunion with five kids. I think I had a two-year-old, a six-year-old, probably a 10-year-old, a 14-year-old. I had a 19-year-old. Plus, I had my father who was in his late 80s and wheelchair-bound and incontinent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, just imagine for a minute what that took. It was a camping trip and my husband... My husband didn't go with us. So I had camping gear for six, a stroller, a wheelchair, medical supplies, toddler toys, diapers of two sizes, cars and trucks for the little guy, tent stakes, cooler, tents. Oh my God. When I think about it, I'm blown away. You deserve it. And there was this, 
I know, right? I deserve one. There was this one point at the San Jose airport, you know, after baggage claim, I'd gotten everything. But before I got to the rental car, which was the big schlep, where I had the toddler strapped on my back, carrying her stuff, pushing the wheelchair. And I had all the other kids. It was hysterical. People were pointing at us. And I think I was probably crying just a little bit. That's amazing. (laughs) I think all parents feel that way when they go to the airport. Kate certainly said that she had the baby. She had all the stuff. She had a cooler and a breast pump. And she was like, people were looking at me like that lady. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Tell Kate it doesn't get better if she has another. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that Fly Baby app is brilliant. I love that it is a, you know, woman to woman connection. Mm -hmm. And or, you know, soon I bet you it's going to be a parent to parent connection. I hope. And yeah, we actually do have a lot of husbands who are on the local partner side who they're doing it as a husband and wife team and they coordinate to deliver the gear to traveling moms. And so I actually see more of it there, which is great. So they generate a little bit of income too. They do, exactly. It's interesting the mix that we have. You know, one person locally renting out their gear might be a mom who's in between her first and second baby and is hanging on to that crib and wants to make a little bit of money in the meantime. Um, But we have other women whose kids are getting a little bit older and they want to take on more responsibility, women and their husbands. And Mm -hmm. they've actually turned it into an incredible small business. You know, they've got 20 cribs stashed away, which is Hmm. awesome. Yeah. And they've made it their full-time gig. So is this just in, you know, North America, United States right now, or is it international? We started in the U.S. and we just launched to Canada and we hope to get international as soon as possible, just for selfish reasons, because we need it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Where do you want to go next? I think Mexico will happen very quickly and then Europe shortly after. Hey, I have to warn you and my listeners that I have two dogs going crazy in my house right now. Sorry about that. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. So what else do you want people to know about you and about Fly Baby App? We're really excited to be a female-founded technology company. Um, We're trying as hard as we can to empower women to get back out there after they had a baby. Because I think there is this idea that traveling with an infant is terrifying and impossible. Um, And it's actually super common. It's 85% of families will travel with their infant and they'll do it before the infant is six months old. And that statistic Mm -hmm. to me um, was really eye-opening. It's like, oh, this is achievable. Um, It is something you can do. And so we want to make it as easy as possible and make sure that women are confident that they have the help they need. It's a the fear is real and it yeah. leads women to, you know, miss opportunities that could be really a lot of fun if it was a whole lot easier. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. Well, I think it's a brilliant idea, Morgan, and it's been fun to talk about travel with you. I've got two more questions that I like to ask every single guest. Sure. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that. Oh, that um, frankly, my career was going to evolve and change the way it has. Is that too long of an answer? (laughs) No, that's wonderful. Let's, yeah. I mean, you've made a pretty big shift. Yeah. I always, um, I had this mental dichotomy of my um, career versus the phase when I had a baby. And 
I didn't realize until I was in my 30s that they could actually coexist. So that was a revelation. So then my last question is this. Where are you in your life in terms of motherhood? I mean, maybe other than the obvious, you're marketing to mothers. <laughs> um, actually, this opportunity has sort of given me the, the faith uh, that I can do all the things that I want to do and have a baby, which I probably didn't have a few years ago. And mm-hmm. so we may see one on the horizon. Yeah. All right. And, you know, and you're supporting Kate and her motherhood. And yeah. All right. Well, this has been a real pleasure, and I appreciate your coming on and talking to us about the work that you're doing. I think it's important work in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, great. We'll talk again. Thanks. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said, Mama said there'll be Our guest today was Morgan Robart from FlyBabyApp.com. That's app with two Ps, just like on your phone. The senator I mentioned is Senator Jeff Merkley. Go look him up. And the nonprofit organization that I talked about is TogetherRising.org. I'm really proud of my members of Congress um, for being some of the good guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. You can learn more about me at JeanFaulkner.com. Pick up a copy of my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, everywhere books are sold, and over on my website where I'll send it out your out the door super fast. Um, Common Sense Pregnancy is part of the Parents on Demand Network, a curated collection of podcasts all about parenting and pregnancy. So go check them out, Parents on Demand. You'll find all kinds of good stuff over there. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ford at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. One